0: Welcome to episode 72 of Friends of Film, a podcast discussing nice news and theatrical releases. On this episode, we'll cover Tom Hardy as Venom, Flash Director, rumors, Steve Carell playing tennis, and more, all for a review, Alien Covenant. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes at Friends of Film. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man who has not defeated a xenomorph, Josh Straley.
1: Well, I mean, I may have, okay. but also... I don't know where it crawled away to after it attacked me originally, so if there's a, uh, if I start having a seizure over here and something bursts out of my chest, you, you'll you know that it actually defeated me.
0: Oh, well, there you go, I guess. Uh, it's a little morbid to start the, <laughs>
1: the pod. I'm sorry about that, That's folks.
0: That's okay. That's okay. Uh, yeah, so we're going to be reviewing Alien Covenant this weekend, the latest uh, by Ridley Scott. It's returning uh, not many of the people from Prometheus, because you've seen Prometheus, uh you'll know why <laughs> i don't want to spoil prometheus for you guys but uh you're probably not interested in alien covenant if you have not seen prometheus even though you can see alien covenant basically without seeing prometheus and a lot of it will still yeah make sense um but yeah yeah we'll get into that we do have some news a lot of news to get to this week so we're gonna start with a non-spoiler section on alien covenant then we're going to do a spoiler discussion. Once we get to spoilers, there'll be a timestamp in the description of the episode, so you guys can avoid spoilers if necessary, or if you just want our spoiler thoughts after a certain point, you can just jump right there. And then there'll be a separate timestamp telling you guys when it's safe, and we're moving on to the news. Uh, but let's get the review kicked off. Uh, it's my week to start, and. I was a big fan of Prometheus, so I was pretty excited for Alien Covenant. Uh, It was in my top ten for most anticipated of the summer. Um, As I was leading up to this, I rewatched Alien, Aliens and Alien 3 plus Prometheus. Uh, First two, I think, you know, the first one especially I think just holds up so incredibly well for its its practical effects. Uh, Just keeping it so small, but being thrilling and intense and uh, scary and brutal and everything and Prometheus isn't really much like that it's more of a sci-fi take on the franchise and just kind of an exploration of life and it's kind of what I expected to get from this one and uh, one of the things that I really loved about Prometheus was just how like gorgeous it was the shots the way the planets looked uh, and Ridley Scott takes that you know, he brings that back for Alien covenant and it looks, it looks great from the start and throughout the whole thing. Uh, there's not really a bad looking shot out of the whole yeah, movie. Really? For sure. Um, he goes really big in the movie uh, as he tries to take it, the franchise basically to the next level and be that kind of summer blockbuster. Um, but he also tries to keep it small in other points. And I think, I think that can kind of you know cause some difficulties with that story because at, at some points it is just a small, intimate story about people, and then the next second it's about you know where did we come from, what is faith, <laughs> yeah. what is creation, and um, these really like heavy topics, and it just like goes there. But then the next scene it's like this huge action set piece, and it's just like kind of going all over the place. So it gets a little. I had some pacing issues with it, but uh, the cast. That's one of the big things that make these, these movies so good is they are ensemble pieces and, you know, especially in alien and aliens, you know, they have that core group of people that you come to know and love very quickly. So that way you care when a xenomorph does come and kill most of them. And in this one, I think it was really Catherine Watterson, uh, and Danny McBride who really stood out for me. They're both Catherine Watterson, very Ripley esque um, And she she played that very well. And then Danny McBride, he got to kind of take away a turn away from his comedy stuff and be, you know, kind of dramatic. And I was pretty shocked that he was, I mean, I wasn't surprised. He's not, he's like, wow, he's a good actor, (laughs) but it's just not something you're used to seeing with him. So that took me by surprise. Uh, But I mean, the standout once again, if you saw Prometheus, uh, see it again in here is Michael Fassbender uh, he plays dual roles as uh, the androids Walter and David uh, Walter is the updated version and David is this his holdover character from uh, Prometheus and it, at certain points there's some moments where I'm not sure really how they're doing this unless they're CGI Fastbender's face onto other another person's body but I mean, yeah. there's some moments where you're just kind of I'm left wondering how exactly did they pull this off because it's two Michael Fassbenders like touching and interacting with each other and you can see both of their faces and it shouldn't make sense and it shouldn't be possible, but it is. And it's like, it's kind of mind blowing that it, that it's happening.
1: I haven't seen something that well done before since like maybe like the parent trap or uh, back to the future part two, when Michael J Fox is interacting with his, like his
0: kid from the future,
1: like with all that, close touching and everything like that yeah it was definitely well executed that's a really good point
0: yeah so uh, i thought the rest of the cast was uh you know fine none of them really stood out to me fair Uh, enough most of them are there just to die honestly (laughs) so (laughs) that's kind of why i don't think they left really good impressions on me And there wasn't a lot of that that camaraderie between the team and a lot of time spent with them getting to know them before everything you know goes bad and they all start they start getting killed off one by one everything um but the thing i was most interested in about this movie was not the fact that we're going to get more aliens and everything by the look of the title and the way the trailers played out but i wanted to know and see how really scott was going to answer some of those questions that he kind of proposed in prometheus yeah whether it's where did the xenomorphs come from where did humanity come from uh you know, what is it, you know, is the creation of life this this precious thing or can anybody do it? Uh, And this movie kind of starts off and it it looks like they're going to take more of a faith approach to it and what does it mean to have faith, uh, to be religious almost. And that idea gets pushed aside very quickly as does everything else established in Prometheus. Uh, So that way Ridley Scott can tell kind of a different story. And I was kind of bummed by that because I wanted to see, you know, what you know, answer some answer me some of those questions that I left Prometheus with. And I didn't get those. And I left yeah. even, you know, some more questions about how does this line up with other things that have happened in the alien franchise to this point. Uh but it was still I mean, one the xenomorph, the neomorph, the protomorph, whatever you wanna call it, whatever it is, whenever that comes to play, I mean it it hits. That's where it's probably at its best because it is violent, it is bloody, it is action packed. Uh, and it just keeps you, it's, it's thrilling in that moment. Um, but it's a slow moving story to start. Uh, it gets a little, it drags at certain points and I kind of left the movie after, you know, going in with these expectations of having questions answered, uh, and leaving with more questions and, you know, just seeing how the movie kind of played out. I was bored through parts of it. I left underwhelmed, uh, which I didn't think was going to be the case, So, I'm going to give it two and a half ticket stubs out of five.
1: Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I think I'm going to follow right along there with you, Cooper. Um, Prometheus is, this is the sequel to Prometheus, um, titled Alien Covenant. So, obviously, they wanted to finally establish, like, what franchise this belonged to. Since Prometheus was sort of like the surprise, um, this is actually in the Alien Universe type of a film. So, while Prometheus was ultimately disappointing, um, it wasn't something I thought that was genuinely new. And so Alien Covenant is the continuation of that, only emphasizing like the alien themes more and more. And But it also kind of jumps in there with a little bit of like Lost World of Jurassic Park at some times. And ultimately, um, it felt like Prometheus in the end being disappointed uh it has all the elements of another great ridley scott tale um you know it was cool to see the uh origins of like the whaling corporation and um david and seeing guy pierce's little cameo Mm -hmm. there that was that was cool um and that kind of set the tone of the movie not focusing on the past as much as it is focusing on oh are we creating robots to replace us and that's where he went with it instead of you know like you said tracing back the origins of human life if Mm -hmm. you will throughout this franchise so that was that was a little bit disappointing Um, and the the movie follows a has a pretty good storyline until of course like you said we we meet the holdover from Prometheus David and he's he takes us down that road of humans ultimately creating their replacements and so on and so forth, him playing God. And, uh, that was the, that was the distraction of the movie. Like the pacing issue that mm-hmm. I think he mentioned where we, everything all dies down and we're like, okay, we're getting a history philosophical lesson, um, in the middle of the movie. And I was like, okay, but when are we going to get back to the really dark, scary, really Scott alien horror movie that all of the trailers have sold me on. I didn't. I've never once seen you know the idea of we're gonna talk about some important stuff here. I was like, okay, so go figure with that. Um, but don't get me wrong, that's a plot worth exploring. But I came to this movie for aliens, and that's what I wanted. So ultimately, when the movie ended, I was left wanting uh, a lot more. And if this is the beginning of another three films. Allegedly.
0: Yeah. I think he's shorted down to two films at yeah. this point. So if this is
1: another alien franchise. I, I don't know where we're going. And I have, my interest has waned a lot since um, the initial announcement. But uh, as a movie though, this is definitely a Ridley Scott movie the the visual language, his visual language is like in my top five of directors all time. Um, the cinematographer uh, Darius, Darius, Walski, Walski, uh, fantastic job. He did work on Prometheus and the Martian. And then he's got uh, Salado, the Sicario sequel, mm-hmm. coming up. But, like, you know, everything is dark, eerie, unsettling. And, like, when we get to the planet, you kind of are in awe of it because it's beautiful. But at the same time, everything's shaded gray and dark. And it's, like, prehistoric-ish. And you're like, oh, I can't really, like, marvel at this because something's going to come out of these woods any second and like just grab these people and drag them off into some kind of cavern. Um, and like when they point out that there's nothing, there's no animals on the planet. This is like, Oh man, something definitely took all, took everything out. Uh, and the movie, when it does get to the horror aspects though, is great at it. Like you said, it was violent watching people, you know, erupt into seizures and have monsters like vomited out of their mouths or burst through their chests. Or I think at one point, come right out of the guy's back spine yeah yeah like, that was disgusting absolutely uh he's scott knows how to get that done um and while we i mean like you said earlier like the cast is there to die for the most part um but danny mcbride and Kathleen watterson watterson definitely stars of the show Danny is definitely going to be picked up as a great actor from this going forward um I loved him in Vice Principals and all the comedies that he's been doing but he's definitely moving on and Catherine Watterson is like if she didn't do it in Fantastic Beasts she definitely did it here and she's going to be an action hero um for years to come that's that's for sure uh and Speaking of all the characters though I did like that they coupled everybody up Because it's like a colonist mission mm-hmm. And that added to the drama a little bit um, Especially like When James Franco came into play Because I was always <laughs> wondering what that was going to be uh, But you know Ultimately the movie Isn't going to be a rewatch for me Because it felt like Just another cog in this Grand story That I really don't have an interest in seeing So at the end of the day I'm going to have to give it a three because it still provided some of those elements but at the end of the day I don't think it's really a great film
0: yeah no, I'm right there with you um, and yeah I mean I think uh, that it uh, yeah I mean the James Franco cameo was so random because that, they, they released that beforehand mm-hmm. but they, they that came out after the movie had already wrapped I believe is when that news came out that he was in the movie yeah and so I was kind of waiting. I was like, how is he going to factor in? I know he's part of the crew. And then to see that, like, you know, he was like, he died like instantly. I was like, wait, what? Like, why did you guys get James Franco for this? Like, it seems so random, yeah, so wasted.
1: They they released that prologue. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the prologue, um, it almost makes sense. Like, or not makes sense, but it fits a little bit better. So it almost feel like he was a part of the film and then that prologue was cut from the ultimate, you know, the gold. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, okay, let's just release it online. So people can at least understand that they're a couple or they're married and they're all colonists like headed that way. Mm -hmm. But you know, that, that part really didn't work.
0: Yeah. So, uh, let's move into spoilers so we can talk about some of the other stuff, uh, from the movie and the one thing that kind of caught my attention as I was watching it was the trailers kept playing in my man in my mind. And I kept realizing that it felt like at certain points we we're going to get a closing on, but then I was like, wait, but this hasn't happened yet. It's like, Oh, so I know this has to happen. Like the, like the big moment in the trailers, a lot of them ended with that. You know, I think it was a, a hover. It was like a health, pod or something that came down to the planet to rescue uh daniels and whoever else was still alive at that point and take them back up to the main ship where they could be safe and they could go on and everything and that's when like the big xenomorph attacks for the first time really it's what it looks like in the trailers and i was like i anticipated that was gonna be the finale but then as i was watching that i was like this seems like a weird way to end the movie Uh, after everything that happened after it ended and I was like that just doesn't seem right and I feel like I've seen more and then I recalled the trailers and I was like I'm pretty sure they still have to have a battle inside of this big spaceship Mm -hmm. and then like two seconds later it's like oh wait we have movement and it's like oh okay yeah, (laughs) here it is Uh, and it's like it was like this false ending only to get another action set piece in there uh, which was entertaining at points when she's like Opening up the cargo bay, but it also it it feels like you know alien and aliens, where the only way to defeat these things is to throw them out into vacuum of space. Yeah, like yes. we can't come up with different ways to defeat these things. The or this guy, like, come on.
1: Yeah, the classic kill.
0: I needed. I need. I wanted something a little different mm-hmm. at the end. So I was I was surprised because I kind of heard that before going in that you know if you if you have not watched the marketing, don't do it because it spoils some stuff. And I'd seen a lot of the trailers and I thought. It doesn't really seem like they spoil a lot, but then as I was watching, I was like, "Yeah, they kind of did." Yeah, and it was almost like it was like a uh, an
1: added part to the script, too, where the we've got our ending all neatly tied up with a bow, and then all of a sudden someone's like, "Well, let's make it ten minutes longer." Yeah, and so then they they drop in, you know, the final attack. The, the, the crazy thing is too, like the Xenomorphs on, you know, is gets on board the ship, or you know burst itself on board mm-hmm. the ship, and it all happens in a matter of, like, 15 minutes, and then it it's yeah. fully grown. Like, how is that
0: possible? That, I was thinking the same thing, because I was like, I thought these things took, like, a while to become full form. Or, like, it, per kill, on like a per right. kill basis. And it's just like, nope, this thing kills one person, or, like, explodes out of them, and now everything's fine. I was like, that's weird. I don't care how that makes sense, mm-hmm. but... Uh, yeah, at that point uh, we were messing with time and you know, maybe they'd they been on board the ship for a couple of hours before they noticed. I, I don't really know. Sure. I mean, there's maybe ways to explain around it. Um, but one thing they didn't explain that kind of bugged me was uh, we see David's arrival onto this planet initially, and he releases the air pathogen that, you know, is the foundation behind the xenomorphs and everything onto the, what appears to be the main city or main planet main population of the engineers and it comes yeah. yeah it comes down and it kills and it like it swallows up all of them they're all kind of you know turned to stone for lack of a better yeah way. basically yeah. and like the way that that you know that same stuff you know affects the passengers of the of uh, covenant it doesn't appear to have that same effect on the, on the engineers for whatever reason, where when the covenant people, you know, breathe in the air dust or whatever, they immediately get, you know, one of the aliens, you know, starts growing inside of them. But when it happened to the engineers, they kind of turned into that rock formation almost and just died instantly. Yeah. Which I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Cause they should have breeded some new sort of alien and, which then should have been roaming around this entire planet, not killing Michael Fassbender. <laughs> right. And it's just like, that seems like a plot point that should have been addressed at some point.
1: Yeah, and especially when they take you down that road, Fassbender's sort of lamenting the death of Naomi Pace's uh, character, Elizabeth... Uh, Elizabeth Shaw. Elizabeth Shaw. And... It's not immediately clear that he's the one, you know, releasing the pathogen on mm-hmm. all those people. And I was like, okay, is he kind of just kind of remembering this in time because he's read all the hieroglyphics and things like that. But it, it, eventually you learn that, yeah, he he's the one that dropped the virus on all these people and it's definitely reacting to them different. And he doesn't say, oh, I've tampered with it to, right. you know, try to create this something new. And that's what I went ahead and assumed. That's why they were... Reading aliens mm-hmm. because we learned that David, the the holdover from Prometheus, is playing God, trying to create a virus that will actually, you know, carry out its mission and kill mm-hmm. humanity because he believes he's the His, the next iteration. Yeah. So that whole that whole plot inside of this, what I thought was an alien movie, is I mean, it's ultimately a part of the story, but it kind of di- dug at me because do I really need an alien origin story?
0: Right, and that's kind of what these movies are, but they're also... like These movies are more so now about David than they are aliens. And I you can throw Alien on the title of Covenant, but mm-hmm. it might as well be just be titled Prometheus 3 if he's going to make a prequel sequel to <laughs> for the next movie or whatever. Like, this is more so about David's journey as an android than... Anything having to do with aliens outside of the fact that now really Scott has decided that the aliens weren't created or they were initially created by the engineers, but the engineers did not manufacture those specific types. Yeah, so that way David created the specific type of xenomorph that is shown in the initial, you know, first four movies, I guess. But then there's also an engineer in the first movie, mm-hmm. but it looks like it from <laughs> that little prologue basically that David wiped out all the engineers. So now we have to get to a point where an engineer or something that looks like an engineer can travel in one of the engineer ships with a virus, you know, with a, you know, a bay full of xenomorph babies. Yes. So that way Ripley can find them and be attacked. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. And it's, yeah. And uh, the whole, the, the the continuity is just yeah. haywire at this point until you just have to decide, okay, it looks like they all tried to spread out across the galaxy and then eventually, you know, got killed themselves. But like you said, if all the engineers are wiped out and David's the one creating the actual aliens, mm-hmm. then how does an engineer with David's version of the alien, you know, show up on that planet? Mm-hmm. Uh, that Ripley and the crew find from alien. So yeah, it's all so um, it's also haywire at this mm-hmm. point. And I, I don't, I'm, I just don't know what he wants to accomplish because it feels like he's trying to cross over the two movies that he directed back in the eighties, seventies and eighties mm-hmm. blade runner and alien yeah. and tell one story about androids who create aliens. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I don't, I don't get it.
0: Yeah. It's, and like the, the weird thing is, like Prometheus is kind of about like I don't feel like that movie doesn't really set up the fact that David wants to kill humanity. It's more so he wants to find out basically where all life has come from. And then in this movie, he once he you know encounter I mean he, he encounters an engineer at the end of Prometheus, but then this movie he encounters the entire race it appears, and without any explanation, he's already determined that I want to wipe them out plus all of humanity for no other real reason than somehow in those 10 years, he has decided that he is the best form of life available, like yeah. in existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't really like that cause I liked, you know, that idea of like, you know, of creation and, you know, it ties very heavily into religion, uh, religious backgrounds and stuff. But, you know, where did all of life come from? And like Prometheus, uh, Uh, Logan Marshall Green's character is like we can celebrate we know where we came from because the engineers created us because we have the same DNA strands and then Elizabeth Shaw says well who created them and it's just kind of this endless cycle of creation and stuff where um, you know you could play with that for a very long time instead it's like we're not going to touch on the engineers anymore they're Mm -hmm. like wiped from existence and now David is like the big bad of the franchise that's going to create all evil life and try to wipe out humanity
1: yeah like you can tell that story without crossing it over into the alien franchise because now my expectations are just all about what we've seen in those first four movies instead of now I'm thinking okay well now this franchise is actually not about aliens it's about the origins of life gone amiss creating aliens where people have to survive
0: yeah it's about the creation of life but also the destruction of human life yeah so it's, it's it's very weird like ideas to have thrown around in one single franchise um and yeah i, I don't know i just the, when they revealed that you know david basically created the xenomorphs and that he is basically playing god in this franchise i was like that i don't like that i don't like that idea i liked the earlier explanation or not even explanation but just what we knew from the original movies mm-hmm. that there is something else out there that created this other life form that is now killing us for just because we are there. It wasn't like we're engineered to kill humans. It's just like, this is just an alien species that kills things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Prometheus, we get, you know, a little more backstory of, okay, well, here's the engineers. Here's what's created this alien life form. And apparently they also created us. So, you know, where, you know, is the creation of life even, you know, something that should be, you know, special. Or is it just this regular thing that, you know, anybody can do? Right. And, once you
1: are alive long enough, you'll figure it out eventually. And
0: this movie basically is like, yeah, creation's not special. At a certain point anybody can figure out how to create something, some form of life. Yeah. Um, which ultimately leads to a conflict between David and Walter because David is very much we are the new we are the highest form of life. We should be ruling. We should be you know, the only thing in existence really, or we should have the ability to create and form life and the galaxy as we see pleased. And Walter, uh, because of his program and everything, he is, you know, more like, I, I want to protect the humans. I want to be with them. Yeah, they're much my more they're, servant. Yeah, they're my creators and all this stuff. And ultimately leads to a duel to which you're led to initially believe that Walter bested David. And then the end of the movie. Find out that David actually bested Walter. He was in his place. Uh, did you see that twist happening? Did you catch on to before they actually revealed? Before you know, Daniel said, "Yeah, David, <laughs> or, right? Or, yeah."
1: As uh, Ka- as Catherine's getting into her sleep pod and like just about to drift off, she realizes, "Oh, it's not him." Yeah, because he didn't know about the lake. Or he didn't mm-hmm. know about the cabin on the lake. And I I saw it coming, but there were four or five moments where I thought, "Oh, he would have went ahead and just." taking advantage um one being you know helping her helping um one of the survivors from the planet you know recover mm-hmm. he was acting kind of like a tool I was like okay that's david then he helped him out then he'd be like oh no that's walter mm-hmm. then he eventually goes out there and helps catherine on board the uh the loading cruiser at the end there so it's like okay that's walter and then when the xenomorph breaks out i'm like well how'd that thing get on board mm-hmm. well it's definitely david but then he helps him with the doorways i'm like okay walter and then you, they make a point to show you the arms missing, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's definitely Walter. And then at the end, you know, you realize it, and I missed the one hint, which was David can't self heal, Walter can. And as he's stapling up his skin oh, yeah. on board the ship, I'm like, ah, that should have been, mm-hmm. that should have been it. But at that point, I was like, nope, okay.
0: Yeah, I would. I kind of just had it in the back of my mind because they were just so. They just were so, just like, you know, just aggressively showing, saying Walter, 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 and they they show a shot of his hand, yeah. which in the movie uh, one of the xenomorphs, you know, bites his hand and burns, you know, half of it off to the acid, and it's like, okay, you keep showing me this stuff which you weren't focusing on throughout the first hour forty of this movie. Why are you doing that? And. The battle between David and Walter, we don't see. Other than we see, you know, we see David reach for a knife as Walter is on top of him, and then the next shot we see of them is, you know, of what is supposed to is what they want you to believe is Walter with a with a gash on his face, showing oh, you know, he got he had a cut there, uh, which really, if it was like if David was, you know, I mean, this is David, so why he would inflict that cut? Nobody would know that Walter cut him on the face. anyways. Right? But he cut off his hand and stuff. So uh, it was just a very weird moment. Where I was like, that seems too like, okay, you showed me the knife. Now you show me the cut. I want know you want me to believe this is Walter, but there's something just off about this whole thing. Yeah. So uh, do you have any other uh, thoughts?
1: No, that, I mean, that, that does it for me. The movie was really cut and dry, but I just – at the end, I don't know where this goes because David is on board the Covenant as Danny McBride and Catherine Watterson, you know, enter their sleep and
0: pods. And two thousand other people. In
1: two thousand, yeah, in two thousand other colonists and then like Plus a
0: thousand embryos or something? Yeah. Or I think it's more
1: than that. But yeah, a ton of like, you know, second generation mm-hmm. people that they're gonna populate the planet with. So it's just like uh, okay, um, where is this going from here? Yeah. Is the covenant gonna be the ship that sends the beacon out that Ripley and the crew go after or is that a part of so there's just so many questions yeah. with these two movies left that I I don't know what to say.
0: Yeah, I mean the biggest takeaway for me was that this movie has been more well received than Prometheus where I'm like Prometheus much more than like this movie and I I don't know I haven't really read a lot of reviews for it um but for some reason, people have just enjoyed this one a lot more. I think it's because there are more aliens in it. So people kind of have that nostalgia. Of, oh, well, there's aliens. So I get to see stuff from the old movies, basically. But I don't think it really added much to the movie. And I think a lot of those ideological, theological approaches and those discussions were more the interesting parts of the movie to me. But then they were like either contradictory to what came before or so brief that they didn't really amount to anything to make me really care. So uh, last thing I had was just... You know, people people make dumb decisions in all movies, especially ones involving aliens or like horror movies in general. Oh, but yeah, uh, people in like in this movie in space they just make really dumb decisions.
1: Really, like, was there one particular one that just
0: was well, like, okay, we're on the new planet. Let's split up immediately. Let's, uh, you know, I'm going to crush this thing. I have no idea what it is. Uh, I'm going to, uh, you know.
1: Crush this thing.
0: Yeah, like that one guy. He like crushed that uh that pod that released the oh, infection. Oh well, he stepped on it though. No, no, he was like he picked it up and he like he. Crushed oh, that it. was the second guy. Yes. Yeah, maybe the second guy. Yes. Yeah, one part the and I was like, why? Like, then like Danny McBride. He just like continues like he's like, let's lower the ship. Let's lower the ship. And I'm like, you're almost gonna kill yourself for yes. real, no real reason. But his wife's on the planet. Not anymore. Well, she, he didn't, she, he didn't know she, she was he, dead. Yeah, he did.
1: No, cuz memory's like, "Hey, can you uh can you put my wife on?" And once he gets once he lowers the ship and makes contact, so he's still acting no, somewhat no, no, rationally. No, no,
0: no, no. no, no. Cuz like he was he was still trying to low he had not yet lowered the ship cuz I was right I think right when Waterston they were able to ha- have contact when they were back with David and they that they just maintained contact where they could say, "Okay, we have contact with you. We need you to come down here." And then which I thought was a really dumb decision on Daniel's part to say, Yeah, your wife's dead, because that's his whole incentive. <laughs> that's why he's like trying to get back there. Okay, yes. Uh to then to then endanger the entire mission and the entire colonization of humanity for people that you do not love and you probably met very recently. I was like, That seems like a dumb move, especially when your two other, you know, co pilot space are like, no, we can't, we should not be doing this. Oh. he didn't have like that drive so he really. could get
1: the lander he had to lower the ship again for the second time yes. in the atmosphere so he could drop the lander down yes. and go rescue the crew i mean it's rescuing your team i don't i see guess like i mean it, I,
0: again maybe the it just, maybe, didn't crash maybe it was just part of like that thing where i didn't feel like they were that great of a like a, that stronger a team where they were like kind of yeah you know going off on the roam being all you know silent or even like disobeying orders where to then be like okay well even though I know my wife's dead down there, I'm going to risk my life and the life of all these mm-hmm. other people to go save two people.
1: Yeah, but with James Franco's... Oh, well, James Franco dies at the beginning of this movie. Right. But there's the familial aspect when they're mourning his loss. So that I think that kind of established yeah. that they're willing to sacrifice or disobey orders or, you know, look out for each other. Yeah, I don't
0: know. I just thought it was a dumb decision, but like from Daniel's perspective to say, yeah, your wife's dead. Hey, no, R- uh, risk your life yeah. two more times to come save us, though. <laughs> um,
1: the one person that did act the most irrationally, though, was Tallahassee, Danny McBride's wife. Um, she's the medic. She's the She flies the initial lander mm-hmm. um, to the planet, and when they bring back the first guy infected with the first-generation xenomorph uh, alien, she locks them both in the medic bay yeah, that make any sense. Um, while one guy's just like spitting blood and like erupting like you know flying everywhere and then she not only sprains her ankle she shoots she picks up a shotgun and then just fires it randomly until she hits like fuel tails (laughs) and the whole ship goes up in smoke yeah so yeah she was definitely she wins to me she wins idiot of the film
0: yeah, th- that's fair. I mean, there's a lot of dumb characters in Prometheus, too. Like, you know, Charlie's throne just, like, runs in a straight line when there's this huge tumbling ship <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> coming after It's like, <laughs> just veer to the sides and you'll be good as long as it doesn't top over randomly. So... It's not, I can't be that big of a criticism of that one. It bothered me more here than it did in Prometheus. Okay, fair enough. So uh, let's move on to some trailers. That's the end of uh, our discussion on Alien Covenant. So we'll move into the news. And as always, kicking off with the trailer. Uh, one that was attached to Alien Covenant ahead of time was the latest trailer for War for the Planet of the Apes. It's the final one. Uh, looks just as good as all the other ones. Still sold on it. Still looks great. I'm just ready to see it at this point, honestly.
1: Yeah, and it really uh, amped up the animosities between the factions, but it gave a different vantage point to the where apes are definitely, definitely on the verge of extinction in this. Like, Woody Harlson has pushed them to the limit, and something's going to happen or change mm-hmm. that finally gets Caesar to fight back with some serious animus, and that is going to be something to see for sure.
0: Yeah, and I also like that they showed a little bit more of the human perspective, mm-hmm. where Woody heard, Woody's gave that huge speech of though, uh, you know, in ten years when we've won, you'll be able to tell your kid, your kids will ask you, you know, what were you doing when we were on the verge of extinction, and you'll be able to tell them, I defended us, mm-hmm. and it's just like, yeah, I mean, if you're on the brink of extinction as a race you know, pretty much any abled body would basically sign up to fight. And it's just like reinforcing that I think was a a really nice touch to the trailer.
1: Yeah. I mean, action packed. And then, um, as well, Caesar and the politics of all that, like what more of the apes are definitely in league with the humans. And I still can't figure that out. And I think that's going to be some kind of like really interesting political thing that they're going to talk about too.
0: It it doesn't seem like there's, many of them but I'm definitely just to see why some of them decide to side with the humans Yeah, so uh, we'll see what happens with that we also got our first trailer this week for Battle of the Sexes a tennis movie starring Steve Carell and Emma T- Emma Stone uh, based on the 1973 tennis match between Billie Jean King and uh Bobby Riggs,
1: yeah, it looks fantastic. I mean, the the opening uh, clip of the film is Steve Carell's uh, Bobby Riggs, you know, in a, a Gamblers Anonymous meeting, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Your problem, guys, is you you're not good at gambling, so let's just teach you how yeah. and get you out of here." And that just got me laughing. And then Bobby Riggs just seems like a Michael Scott character, does, yeah. like something he would play in The Office. And uh, with this. With this movie, it looks like Emma Stone is already gonna be like a front runner for an Oscar movie. Um, it looks funny, but also has like a like you know a, a solid plot through all of it. And uh, I've never seen a tennis movie before, but this looks like it could be pretty fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I love the trailer. Uh, I don't really know anything about it beforehand, but this movie definitely. Uh, has kind of jumped up to if I did like Oscar contenders right now, one that I think is probably in line to get some Oscar noms, whether it's you know, Steve Carell mm-hmm. or it's Emma Stone, because both of them they've like they've transformed in these characters where it takes you a second or two to realize that, Oh, that's Emma Stone, that's Steve Carell. It's not it's not obvious where like the either it's the hair and the makeup or the prosthesis on their faces, but you know same with like Foxcatcher with Steve Carell we oh like oh my goodness but that's Steve Carell and it's just because the nose the nose is so different <laughs> where you're just like that can't be him yeah but it is uh, and yeah I've there's not many tennis movies that I can think of uh, there's this really funny one uh, with uh, Andy Samberg uh, it's it's like it's not even like a really, uh, not even like a real movie. Really, it's like it's forty three minutes long. <laughs> called Seven Days in Hell. Oh, is that with? It's him uh, and uh, Kit Harrington Yeah, Jon Snow. Fred yeah. Armisen. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. It is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it's it's so funny. So that's one I'd recommend if you want if you're looking for a, a tennis movie for okay. whatever reason. But I um, mean, yeah, this thing looks great uh, out the gate. There's Sarah Silverman in there too. So uh, oh yeah. I just, it just, it looks really, really good and I am mm-hmm. already looking forward to this movie whenever it, com- yeah, it comes out in September. Yeah. Currently, unless it gets uh, pushed back later for Oscar LA, stuff.
1: New York release dates and then, yeah. you know, to the common the common peasants six months later or yes. whatever. But it's also got like an interesting thread too of Bobby Riggs kind of playing up media hype. Just being, yes. a, uh, not, not a chauvinist, but like uh, just a, an attention hog or, mm-hmm. you know, realizing that Um, He looks like he's down and out of his luck Which is probably why he's at that gambler meeting But you know him trying to Leech on to somebody Through controversy Mm -hmm. And that's kind of uh, I think that's kind of prevalent in today's culture in some ways So that playing out in the 80s Around that could be really cool to see
0: Yeah looks great And we got some exciting And surprising news this week Regarding the Venom solo movie That has popped up onto our radar over the last couple of months here With uh, Sony officially announcing that Tom Hardy has signed on to star in Venom as Eddie Brock. He'll be paired up with Zombieland director Ruben Fleischer. Uh, Production is slated to start this fall with a, a target of an R rating, reportedly, all ahead of its October 2018 release.
1: Did you see this coming? Oh, I mean, No. The Tom Hardy aspect. obviously. No. no what way. in the world?
0: I, I was still doubtful this movie was actually even going to happen or take place because still in my mind, it doesn't make any sense when you're just launching your new Spider-Man, which comes out in you know a month and a half from right now basically. Why? A year later you would launch a Venom movie that you can't have Spider-Man in or any real ties to Spider-Man, or at least not the current incarnation that people are going to become fans of. So that still doesn't make any sense to me. I'd be more a little more excited if this was going to take place in that same continuity where then in the Spider-Man sequel or later down the line, we could see Tom Hardy versus Tom Holland, basically. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Uh, but still, you put Tom Hardy, you tell me Tom Hardy's playing Venom and I'm there. Yeah. That sounds like a great pairing. And Ruben Fleischer, uh, who when we talked about the Suicide Squad 2 director shortlist, mm-hmm. I said that was the one that interested me the most because... It seemed like the good, the perfect fit. I, uh, I don't see the same thing here with Venom, but I just don't doubt that he'll do some pretty cool stuff with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I ha- we haven't, I haven't seen Fleshers m- any of his work mm-hmm. since Zombieland, so he's had plenty of time to evolve. But if he can just transition some of, I mean, just some of Zombieland's, um, I don't know if he needs comedy, but no, some kind of some of the maybe the emotional arc of. Um, Columbus's character and put that into Tom Hardy which is going to be so weird to you know think of Eddie Brock who I'm surprised that's the route they're going
0: with Mm -hmm. not going Flash Thompson
1: yeah Uh, so is Eddie going to play the like you know the traditional Brock character as a photographer and you know in New York City or how is that all going to play out and eventually they do get us to a Venom Spider-Man crossover which sony has every right to do i think
0: i mean technically yes yeah uh
1: i hope this makes me think get that done in venom movies set my set up a carnage movie for me oh yeah as like the the wrap-up of spider-man's new trilogy that would be epic
0: i mean Um, i i could see them almost doing carnage in this first movie because if venom's gonna be the anti-hero who is he gonna go up against that's the big question uh, out. I mean the other big question is what is his origin going to be how, I mean, is he even going to have the spider symbol uh, because in the comics and traditionally he only knows that symbol because he that Venom symbiote became attached to Peter Parker as yeah. he was Spider-Man learned about those abilities and the symbol and everything so that's how Venom became a thing he used all that stuff and now that it appears if Spider-Man is not in play do they change the costume? Do Does he not have that? Does he have a new symbol? How is he even going to become what is known as Venom? Is, can he can he work at the Daily Bugle? Like, I have so many questions. Yeah,
1: and, you know, part of me thinking is, well, if Spider-Man's going to become the hero of New York City in his movie this summer, um, he's going to be all over the news. So it wouldn't be hard for him to say, I wish I could be like that, like, see a TV spot, because Spider-Man will be in this movie. It'll be hard to fathom. But I don't. I think I don't even think you need an a, an like him being the anti-hero. I don't even think you need a villain if it's just Eddie Brock fighting with the symbiote himself. Um, and you know he's down and out of his luck, and that thing is empowering him to you know get what he wants or exact revenge, and it's him fighting against that.
0: So, but then like what? I mean, what is he fighting then? Is he just fighting you know thuggers like that? Well, like
1: the symbiote itself causing him to turn violent.
0: Yeah. So it
1: would definitely be a more thoughtful approach to Venom yeah. than anyone's used to, but I could see it happening. Because you, you want to make Tom Hardy a sympathetic character.
0: Well, right, but yeah, again, I just don't know how they're going to go about doing this because so much of this character is tied to Spider-Man, and I don't think they... I mean, legally, Spider-Man still is owned by Sony and as his theatrical rights, but whether... Tom, I don't know if Tom Holland is you know, that iteration, if that is basically co owned now because it's a Marvel Studios property and a Sony Pictures property where Marvel Studios has said they have nothing to do with this Venom movie. So I don't think they can even like have a TV in the background with, you know, a clip from Civil War, a clip for Spider Man Homecoming playing in the background because that instantly establishes it to the continuity of the entire MCU, yeah, which then if, you know, if I think this movie is being made because the, Sony knows that Spider-Man is going to be completely revitalized as a brand come July. And when Spider-Homecoming man comes out and makes a lot of money and people are praising it, hopefully uh, they know it's going to be a big thing again. And they're going to, they want, that's why they want to make a Venom movie or a black cat and silver Sable movie. That's why they want to do that stuff. And if you, If you do that now, that's I think that's because Marvel Studios is saying, Listen, we love Venom. We we want to do a Venom movie, but we wanna do it we wanna have Venom introduced in Spider Man four. So it can be when he's he's uh in college or he's almost out of college, he's more of an adult and he can battle, you know, the struggles of being an adult, not the struggles of being a teenager, and he can go through all these other you know life crises sure. and stuff when he's more of an experienced hero and he can he's had those moments of joy and uplifted and now he can venture into you know tapping into that that darkness and stuff and Sony's going well we want to make a Venom movie now and you can't yeah. stop us so we're going to do it so I don't think they can mention Spider-Man unless they bring in a new Spider-Man, whether that's you know Miles, a different Peter Parker, or Spider Gwen, mm-hmm. or Silk, or whatever it is, but I don't think they'll do that, so I'm just very interested to see how this develops and with production starting this fall, uh, it should only be a matter of time before we get further updates on this. Yeah,
1: I, d- I wish it the best no matter which route they take, though, because I mean, I'm, I'm super stoked to see Tom Hardy back in a hero role, or, well, anti-hero role this time around, not villain.
0: Yes. Uh, we also know in the X-Men franchise that we're going to get a couple returning faces for Dark Phoenix, according to producer Hutch Parker. As he told Simnoblend Blend that uh, their current idea for Dark Phoenix does uh, bring back Professor X, Magneto, Beast, and Mystique. Uh, which I'm pretty surprised at.
1: Yeah, they're, all of their contracts are up, so... I mean, it's up. I mean, we figured Professor X and Beast are going to be back, mm-hmm. but Mystique was definitely left up in the air with Jennifer Lawrence's, you know, uh, conversations about, uh, you know, returning and whatnot. So, okay, especially Fassbender as uh, Magneto. Mm-hmm. What does he have to do with a Dark Phoenix movie?
0: I I don't know. <laughs> that's that's what worries me.
1: <laughs> because my gut is like saying well, if he's in this, that means he's probably going to be used as the misunderstood villain hero again.
0: Yeah, I feel like they're just going to retread the waters of The Last Stand and have him be the one saying, no, Gene, you need to harness these powers and you need to embrace this this power inside of you right. and all while professor X say, no, 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 you need to wait. Mm-hmm. You need to, you need to take this slowly. And he's just going, no, 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 let's do this. Now you need to become this mega powerful being. And we just saw you defeat apocalypse. You can take on anybody. And once he, you know, helps her learn about those abilities and break through, then he'll use her for his own doings or whatever. They'll, they'll yeah. clash with the, you know, professor X crew. But then, but then the movie, they're all they're all buddies again, just yeah. like all the other movies have been. And I, I don't know. This makes me less interested in Dark Phoenix because I want the movie to focus on that new team that we had so little time with in mm-hmm. Apocalypse. But I I liked most of them. And this just feels like they're just going to retread a lot of water in various plot points that I've seen before. And I don't I don't want that.
1: Yeah, no, same here. I'm tired of the fa- the Fassbender or the Magneto trope. Like he's misunderstood. He's trying to do the right thing, but he's also evil he's also and vile. He's also killing millions of yeah. people. Yeah, we've given him two sad backstories now, but we're not going to let you, you know, ruminate on any of those because mm-hmm. he's so misguided. And I'm, you know, just like you said, give me the give me the movie about the new team with the new mutants, you know, jumping in. Uh, after their movie or whatever the case may be. right? So. I,
0: I do think this could make it even more likely that New Mutants does take place in like the Deadpool era where it's not back in the 90s like this movie. Um, but I do think it's also uh, important to point that the quote from Parker does not say 100%, yes, this is the direction we're going. We have them locked down. We have their contract signed. He says, this is our idea.
1: <laughs> so maybe
0: that idea will change in the, com- in the coming months or Jennifer Lawrence will not accept the truckloads of money they're going to offer her to return uh i don't think they need jennifer lawrence i don't think they need magneto i i would i'd be fine with professor x and beast being the mentors to this new team because that just seems like the most logical for each of those characters that we've come to know the last three movies based on this current iteration of them yeah i agree uh we know that they are all separate from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but Kevin Feige wants uh, all of his characters back under his reign. According to an interview with Perception, he said he admitted that, yes, his ultimate goal is to uh, bring all Marvel characters under the MCU umbrella, just like they have now done with Spider-Man. He wants to do it with Venom. He wants to do it with the Fantastic Four, with Deadpool, with X-Men, with Wolverine, with everybody, uh, which is kind of a change in his, you know, the way he's approached this question in the past where in the past he said it's an impossibility to cross over or to see the x-men and avengers on the same screen where now he's saying never say never which uh i think could point to things yeah it's
1: hopeful um or, or also it's him you know realizing that's that's what you need to have happen to keep interest going like, right you know if there's the possibility of a crossover then you're going to want to keep up with all these characters and you know that kind of almost puts pressure on other studios to say hey come bring your 500 million dollar franchise to our you know billion dollar mm-hmm. franchises and you know let's let's get to work make it a 2 billion dollar movie or whatever yeah. the case may be um great i'm all about it
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this could point to them being in preliminary discussions with Fox to maybe regain at least the Fantastic Four back. Yeah. Because I think Fox has at least figured out that they can make money off X-Men and Deadpool and X-Force stuff. But they have proven that they have no idea what to do with Fantastic Four. And if, you know, Marvel's saying, listen, we'll give you, like, give those characters back plus Galactus and Silver Surfer and uh, these other, you know, space and cosmic beings... Then we will give you free reign to make whatever TV shows you want. We don't have to produce them anymore. Yeah, uh, you can do whatever you want on TV, and it's out of our it's out of our hands. I feel like that's a fair trade. Uh, so,
1: and especially if you get a revenue sharing with the rights, I mean, mm-hmm. just sign a whole new deal that Fox agrees to stop cranking out Fantastic Four movies every three years or four right. years just to keep the rights to them. You know, and that's a winning situation, especially with Legion and The Gifted mm-hmm. kind of getting. Uh, A lot of hype and praise, so Mm -hmm. go for it, guys. Yeah, I mean,
0: I would love to see X-Men with the Avengers. And specifically, Kevin Feige was asked if uh, he wants Hugh Jackman... Because Hugh Jackman a couple months ago uh, said that the only way he'd play Wolverine again is if it is in an Avengers movie. Mm -hmm. Fingers crossed that happens one day. I don't think it will, but you never know. Imagine how many
1: people that would draw
0: to the screen. That'd be epic, uh, which is why I think you know it is a possibility but one I'm not holding my breath for but i i do think as much as i do want to see that you know fox has given me some enjoyable movies in the past with the x men and if the x men were back with marvel that means either their new slate is going to be really x men heavy or you know all these other new characters like doctor strange and ant-man and black panther and captain marvel could get pushed aside a bit so that way they can introduce mutants and all these other things so and there's a lot of other marvel characters that you know we don't even know exist in the mcu that can be introduced for another couple of phases to keep things going like adam warlock or whatever else may be yeah they don't necessarily need the x-men so i'm okay with fox doing their thing and screwing with continuity every single movie but if they want to give Fantastic Four back, I'll be totally on board.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That would be. That's probably. That's probably where his sights are set right now. Yeah.
0: So we also got word this week from Deadline that uh, David Ayer is in early talks to direct the Scarface remake. It uh, stars Diego Luna. Uh, he actually previously helped write the script back in 2011. He was hired to do the screenplay for it, but it was recently announced that it's being rewritten by the Coen Brothers. So. Whew do you want to see this deal close?
1: Uh, I mean, I loved End of Watch. Yes. Um, its I don't want to say it's a master class in like a buddy, cop, not a buddy cop movie, but, you know, a brother Bond film. Yeah. Um And him, seeing him sort of flip sides here and take a character driven story with Diego Luna, who I can't heap enough praise on, you know, after seeing him in Rogue One. Uh, so I think this is, this is a would be a great project for Air, especially if he's had his go to script, and now that the Coen Brothers are now putting their putting their finishing touches on it. If so, uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, nothing would get me in the theater faster.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, big fan of watch. Big fan of Fury as well. Uh, David Air did didn't love Suicide Squad, but. Uh, I think a lot of those problems that movie had is more so on WB than David Ayer's shoulders, in my opinion. So that does not really affect it. And I think an updated version of Scarface with taking the Mexican perspective, starring Diego Luna, if you have David Ayer directing based on a Coen Brothers script, I mean, that's a pretty great ensemble you have right there. So there's really no reason for me not to be interested in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is slated to come out next year which means production would have to begin at some point by the end of this year, uh, the latest, probably by the fall, uh, really, to make sure it hits that release date. And kind of made me wonder initially, what's happening with Golden State Sirens? <laughs> oh,
1: that's right. He was, him and Robbie, yeah, Uh, I have no idea. I yeah. mean, we haven't heard anything since the announcement, right?
0: Not really. I mean, he posted like one mysterious picture of Black Mask of like, Hint, hint, this may be the villain, but yeah. since that point, that was like the end of the year of like 2016. Now we're halfway through 2017. It's just been very cold. Margot Robbie keeps signing up for all these other movies. Mm-hmm. It just seems like this movie is kind of dead.
1: Yeah, I mean, we never got an indication of when it would come out, mm-hmm. but the announcement along with Robbie and air made it seem like it was imminent. Yeah. But we don't, DC announced their master plan back in 2014 14. and there have been many indications that it's still not the case or it is the case no, definitely or, not. you know, a lot of things have happened since then. Um, so my gut says that they announced it, but we're not going to see it till, you know, well into 2020 or beyond.
0: Yeah. Which is just weird because the the timing of the announcement was so... It seemed like they was just they were just building right off the hype of Suicide Squad, where Margot Robbie was the breakout star of that movie. Har- Everybody wants to see more of Harley Quinn. They basically set up her future as a solo movie by having Joker break her out at the end. Like now she's just off there roaming on her own. So how do you not answer that question? Where Joker and Harley have been roaming the streets for you know three four years by the time this movie comes out, like. What what have they been doing? How come Batman hasn't locked them up? Uh, how does she? You know, I don't know. It just seems like a weird decision to. It, it, this is not official. This is all just speculation, but to indefinitely push back. I mean, it, it, if this is if this deal does close with Air for Scarface, this means if he is going to stay on and direct the movie, and they are they are dead set on David Air directing this movie then he can't really get started on this movie until 2019. And that's to start writing the script or to start filming or anything, which means, yeah, 2020 release date, which seems just like the exact opposite approach I would have expected. But,
1: I mean, at the same time, though, we've had a Nightwing announcement. Mm -hmm. We've had, uh, what else? Uh, I mean, the Batman movie is still... Batman,
0: Batgirl, Flash. uh, I mean, Cyborg's a movie that's coming. Man of Steel 2 is in development. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's so much stuff.
1: So, I mean, there's plenty of films from DC to kind of, you know, to pack in between mm-hmm. those years. So I don't think it's like a freak out moment, but it no. is an interesting antidote to note that Ayer is still shopping proj- shopping his next project um, instead of, you know, gearing up for a shoot with WB.
0: Right, because I think at this time, other than the Batman, this is the only movie that has a star and director attached. So for then this to this movie to be pushed all these years past just seems so weird in terms of your planning. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely. It's yeah, it,
0: but who uh, knows. Maybe they're just taking a very long time to develop it so we can get a great movie. And they're giving sure. David Ayer more than six weeks, start the script this time. So <laughs> uh, maybe this is a good thing. I don't know, but we also got some uh, rumors regarding who is going to direct the flash and maybe make that the third movie that is uh, coming out. I and mean, besides Aquaman, cause that's already filming obviously, but the third movie to have a star and director attached. Uh, we discussed a couple weeks before that Robert Zemeckis was reported to be uh, in talks to direct uh, The Flash, which was then initially debunked, but now it is back again, thanks to a quote-unquote exclusive by The rap saying that he is now officially in talks uh, for the role, or not the role, for the, for the job of directing The Flash, but... He's not alone because Mm -hmm. Variety reports that Matthew Vaughn is also a top contender for the role, while THR later said that Sam Raimi was also being considered. But if you're a big Raimi fan you wanted to see that happen, looks like it's not going to with E.W. saying that he passed on the project as well as another Spider-Man director in Mark Webb. So Mm. it looks like our top two choices right now are Zemeckis and Vaughn. What do you want?
1: Well, really disappointing to hear Mark Webb passed on it because if we had to go with like Mr. Outside Hire or something Mm -hmm. we hadn't heard of yet, he would have been a great choice because I think he did a great job um, with The Amazing Spider Man's. I mean, the story kind of went haywire with too many villains Mm -hmm. and a a death that was awful. (laughs) But uh, if Matthew Vaughn's doing Man of Steel 2, well, I think that's. And he's working on. Kingsman 3-2, I mean, the guy's got a full plate. I don't know if he can jump on board a flash unless it's sort of like a situation where everything's ready and he just sits in the chair. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think, well, when we discussed the Vaughn Ma- Man of Steel 2 rumor, uh, that was you know, included in that report was basically if it's not Man of Steel 2, WB still wants him to direct a Supreme movie for them. So maybe he, they talked about Man of Steel too, and he's just like they couldn't get on the same page. But then he's like, "Well, you guys have the Flash job open, right? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty interested in that movie. Uh, let's do that one." And they're like, "Okay, well, pitch your movie." And now then they start talking to Robert Zemeckis as well, and now it's that two-person race. I still want to see Zemeckis's version. That sounds like seems like the best fit, uh, even though it'd still be weird to see Robert Zemeckis's The Flash. Yeah. That's Something I never thought I would (laughs) see before, but Matthew Vaughn directing seems more likely because similar to Goblin City Sirens, this movie has continued to be pushed back and delayed and delayed and delayed, uh, unofficially that is, because they haven't officially delayed it or anything, but uh, it's definitely not hitting its March 2018 release date at this point. Yeah. So uh, Zemeckis has to, he's filming his next movie with uh, Steve Carell later this year. Uh, it's going to come out next year. So he can't, uh, similar to David Ayer, he cannot make The Flash until 2019, uh, which it seems like WB is fine <laughs> waiting to make this movie for whatever reason. It blows my mind that that's the case. But, uh, yeah, I I want to see Zemeckis, but I'd not be mad if Vaughn was the choice. Yeah,
1: same here. I I agree completely.
0: But I could also see somebody else. You never know.
1: I mean, imagining Vaughn pull off flash stunts in action. Would oh, yeah. Be, be awesome. Be amazing.
0: Plus, you get a uh, put Colin Firth in there as uh, reverse flash. Uh, nah. Make, give maybe. Him, give, give, make, make him be a bad guy. Uh That'd be cool. I love him, but
1: I don't think that's him. No? No.
0: Okay. That was just kind of a random throw out. Uh, so, who knows? But we also got a little bit of an update. Uh, this is more of a. This is kind of official, but also kind of a rumor, based on the fact that we don't have actually direct quote from this, but. Uh, according to some Twitter people, which Twitter's always the most reliable source on the internet, uh, at the Chinese premiere of Wonder Woman, producer Deborah Snyder reportedly said that Batgirl will be the next female led DCEU film to hit theaters.
1: Well, she's absolutely in the know because she's Zack Snyder's wife, right? I mean, like yeah, she
0: produces all of them. Co producers, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I mean, they're, they're like the power couple yeah. of Hollywood outside of maybe Kathleen Kennedy and. Um, not frank marshall but her husband does movies too is it frank marshall it's not frank marshall it may be but that's my whatever i don't know anyway yeah if she says so i mean she's pretty much a boss too so Mm -hmm. josh whedon and batgirl seem to be humming along pretty well then
0: yeah i mean this lines up then with the with our thought that cop city sirens could be pushed back a couple of weeks a couple of years maybe yeah um because if it's if it's not coming out in the next two years, then I think I think that's when they're probably aiming to back girl out is before, you know, by twenty twenty at the latest. Uh, so who knows with that one? But I mean, yeah, I'm I'm excited for a back girl movie directed by Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see who they will get to star.
1: Absolutely, because it's gonna be like a teenage take, supposedly. Supposedly, so that'll be really or young fun
0: adult. To watch. You know, it yeah. all depends on how you define the ages. But I think it's definitely gonna be between the ages of like. 18 at the youngest but probably more 21 to 25 is the age range I think they'll they'll take the character uh, but also at the Chinese premiere Zack Snyder reportedly said that we are getting a Wonder Woman sequel uh, this has come out this came out before the early reactions for the movie were uh, allowed to be posted on social media so have you seen the early reactions what do you think of them and you know, do you want to see a Wonder Woman sequel? Oh, or are you I, at least, are you at least happy that they are discussing oh, it?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm. I haven't seen the early reactions, but I've heard of the early reactions, and they all sound positive. They've compared it sort of like the first Avenger, but mm-hmm. it's light, fun, with also some gravitas, great action pieces, and things like that. So that's great to hear. And this quote from Snyder or alleged quote from mm-hmm. Snyder jives with what Patty Jenkins has been talking mm-hmm. about how she's got lots of ideas you know to continue a Diana Prince's story so yeah bring it on um, I haven't seen the movie yet but I imagine I'm gonna feel the same as well what about you I mean
0: yeah I mean we'll, it? we'll be seeing Wonder Woman in two weeks uh, we we almost are gonna be seeing it next week but can't do it because scheduling kills me a little bit but Yes, uh, I am going to be more excited for the sequel, hopefully, after I see Wonder Woman, because all the early reactions have been really positive. Uh, I'm waiting to see the full reviews, because I really haven't seen any negative thing about it, really, which is a little conspicuous. Weird. <laughs> sure. Um But, I mean, who knows? Maybe this is just a flat-out great movie, and it's going to have 100% Rotten Tomatoes and <laughs> just be like the complete 180, or everything that's come before, but... Uh, yeah, I've been really, really just kind of pleased, and just re- has relaxed me a little bit heading into Wonder Woman. That it's getting good buzz because it means that my my expectations and my interest in the movie are not misplaced, uh, yeah. like they have, may have been for previous films. So uh, this all sounds good. The fact that we're getting a Wonder Woman sequel eventually, I think, it's a no-brainer. Um, is a no brainer. Personally, not since since they're doing World War One. For this first movie, I don't want to see them do World War Two <laughs> or something else because okay. they established in BVS that she's been gone for... She's not really interacted with the real world, or not the real world, but just humanity mm-hmm. for some time because she kind of lost faith in them. So I don't know how that plays into the storyline of Wonder Woman or if that's not really addressed and then that's addressed in the sequel. So that's why they do another period piece, but I'd rather see her jump forward and... Yeah. You know, because I don't want to... I don't want to see Wonder... I don't want to see her debut in BVS but then jump back 60 years see her in, you know, her solo movie and then see her in Justice League yeah. and then jump back another 60 years to see her in Un- <laughs> another period unless
1: piece. Unless it was in the Cold War. I would be so about that. Yeah,
0: I don't, I mean, yeah, but it just gets in that territory of, you know... Whiplash? Yeah, like where... What is she where has she been how, is, how have they kept this you know this goddess a secret like <laughs> throughout all this time mm-hmm. how, are they, how are these events of you know her battling like Ares or her battling whatever other villain it could be in a sequel if it's another period piece not be a, like, major point of discussion yeah, <laughs> in yeah. the modern day. Well, I mean... It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, we saw Superman. That's pretty weird. Yeah, well, it wasn't as weird as that time that this girl <laughs> <laughs> defeated this giant monster. It's like, yeah, you know, fair point. Yeah,
1: good. Yeah, that's true. Um, but we'll, we'll find out. But uh, hearing Snyder feeling confident about it saying, oh, yeah, Wonder Woman 2 is on its way... Um, That makes me feel really good.
0: Yes. Uh, We also got word this week uh, from Deadline that uh, Power Rangers star Ludi Lin has joined Aquaman. He'll be playing the character of Merc. You excited?
1: I don't know who Merc is, but um, yes, sure. He he, he had some great Mm -hmm. one-liners in Power Rangers. He wasn't used a whole lot. So hopefully um, Aquaman gives him a chance to act a little more. Because I think he could be really funny and really great, you know, in movies going forward.
0: Yeah, I think he. I mean, he was probably my least favorite of the new Power Rangers cast. Not because he was bad or anything, but just because I didn't think he had a lot to do and really, you know, kind of stood out to me in any particular way. Mm-hmm. So, I would love to see him have a bigger role in Aquaman. Um, Merrick is just kind of a soldier, <laughs> yeah. a front lines guy. So, okay, uh, I don't think that's really going to be the case. He's probably just going to be one of those. You know, more psychic. really, really supporting characters. It's kind of just like there, and then once the big battle comes, he like dies, and it's like, oh no, not not uh, not Merck. <laughs> but then you kind of forget that it happened. So a Merkin. I mean, who knows? Sorry, that was weird. Let's All right. uh, move on to more DC moo news, news, movie news, DC news. Uh, with Ray Fisher, he was at a Comic Con this past weekend. And he said that Cyborg is still being planned for a twenty twenty release. Do you believe him?
1: I believe him, but I don't think it's a Cyborg movie at this point. I think it evolves into a Justice League, Team Titan or Teen Titans. That's what yeah. I am thinking. I am thinking they want to go big with him because I've never seen a Cyborg solo comic or movie. they're out there. Like, yeah, but he's so closely associated with Teen Titans. I think it'd be insane not to spin him off and try to do three movies with an ensemble piece yeah
0: yeah i mean he, he it could be a very interesting movie if they do deal with like you know cyber terrorism or just the whole cyberspace aspect of his character but i'm way more interested in seeing him be the, like the leader of the titans or just have his movie become the titans so i believe that we will see him in a movie in 2020 but i do not believe it will be a cyborg standalone movie yeah, I agree. Uh, unless i mean who knows unless in the next you know Six months we hear news on a director, uh, otherwise that just doesn't seem like a real possibility at this point. So, uh, we did get some word from The Rock, he was asked, uh, who he wants to play Shazam in the DCEU, even though he has no real say in casting or anything. Uh, I mean, it's The Rock though, so he could probably get whatever he wants. But he told, well, uh, we got this covered, uh, that uh, he met Army Hammer a little while ago, and after that meeting. Not because, not a meeting for the role, but after just meeting him and passing, uh, him and his producing partner kind of turned to each other and said, "He could be a good Shazam." So,
1: I'm inclined to agree. Yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, I, which is interesting that The Rock would say that. I've been wondering if Arnie was going to show up as Green Lantern mm-hmm. in the coming years, but The Rock would know that. Oh yeah. And so, if Arnie's definitely not going to be Green Lantern, I would love him to be Shazam mm-hmm. because. Him being Shazam would kind of take away the stigma of Shazam being some kind of stiff guy. Like I don't mm-hmm. know, it would be, I'd be, I'd have fun going to an Arnie Hammer Shazam movie.
0: Yeah, I think he'd be able to play with that whole you no know, idea that this is a kid in a you know a giant godlike body. Yeah, uh, pretty well. Plus, I mean, he's like six six foot five or six foot four or something. So Tall. I mean, he's he's a he's a big guy. And when you have The Rock going opposite of you, you need a big guy to f- you know make it seem like this yes. is somewhat of an even <laughs> battle. Uh, and, yeah, I, I mean, I did think that, I mean, the Green Lantern stuff seemed like this was the way it was going to go if he was going to get in the DCEU. But if it is Shazam, I would uh, not be upset with it.
1: And The Rock gets what he wants. Mm-hmm. So,
0: you know, I still think Channing Tatum. Be the best choice, but yeah, that too. But I mean, he's technically still attached to Gambit, so right. yeah.
1: The the Channing Kingdom has a great childlike quality. He yes, he exudes joy with some of his characters on screen. So mm-hmm. yeah, he'd be a great fit
0: too. Yeah, even though there's a lot of people who want Zach Efron, which I get because he is a he's a he's a muscular dude, but he's also much shorter than yeah the rock right and he's just a smaller guy so i don't see that as that comparison unless you're going for like a david goliath type approach Mm -hmm. so uh who knows we also uh you know if you listen to our king arthur review last week uh, i mentioned that i thought charlie hunnam would be an interesting choice for green arrow which is not a you know big, you know, left field choice on my end because it's been something people wonder for years. And he, uh, his preview said that he's not really interested in doing the comic book stuff. But when he was asked in a Facebook interview, uh, this past week about it, he said, DC, give me a call. So he's somewhat interested in the role, but do you want to see him in that?
1: Yeah, man, I think the joke was last week that he's got the goatee for it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's get on board with it. Um, you know, and he's. He's, he's not a brooding character at all. Hunnam is definitely fun, lighthearted, and that's the Arrow that I've heard about, mm-hmm. and that's the Arrow I want to see, not that CW, <laughs> basically Batman <laughs> You're type You're not a guy. fan of the Arrow? I mean, it, no, it's a, it's a good show. It's just not a great Arrow. Yeah. He, he needs to be sort of like a gunslinger, loose cannon, mm-hmm. you know, Buck Authority type guy. Yeah. And I think Charlie Hunnam could play that to a perfection on screen.
0: I totally agree. Uh, we also got word this week that uh, Zac Efron lined up a new project. Yeah. he'll be playing Ted Bundy, according to the Hollywood Reporter. The the charismatic serial killer. And when I saw this, I have to say,
1: like, I thought it was hilarious. Um, because I think a while ago I told you that I had read Anna Kendrick's memoir mm-hmm. um, And she recounts the time on set At Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates that she talks about how Zac Efron um, Was charismatic Made you feel like you could do anything You know, type of that, 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 that Invincible feeling and she compared him to Charles Manson the other most notorious mm-hmm. f- serial killer and his charming way of getting victims out there and allegedly Ted Bundy was just like that <laughs> so when this came up it was like oh this is perfect um, so he's definitely you know making that pivot uh, from comedy hunk to uh, like serious mm-hmm. more dramatic acting
0: which is yeah. pretty cool to see I mean if this is like a, I mean, this, this sounds like it'll be a very dramatic turn for him. So I like Zac Efron as an actor, uh, <laughs> even all the way back to like his high school musical days. The, the first one's uh, entertaining. It's, it's a good movie. If you're like of that age, uh, if I watch it now, I probably would not think the same way. But It
1: holds up in ironic watching.
0: Okay. Yeah. I could I could see that, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the other two subsequent sequels were not very good. No. um, But yeah, I mean, I think he's a funny guy. I do want to see his dramatic stuff because I, I haven't really seen any of his work that he's been dramatic in. Uh, I know that stuff exists out there, but I've not seeked any of it out to this point, so... If it's good, uh, if he can deliver that dramatic role, I mean, it sounds like it could be that type of performance or that type of role, type of movie, to maybe get some Oscar buzz. If that ever happens, who yeah. knows? But I'm interested to see what Zac Efron could bring to this role. So uh, another interesting story that uh, piqued your interest a lot was oh, we got our first images of the greatest showman on Earth.
1: Yes, and also with Zac Efron in it. Um, Yeah. Is he? Yes, he's the. Uh, oh he's, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. he's the second he Ringling yes. brother, if you will. Uh, but it stars Hugh Jackman, my other favorite, <laughs> you know, charismatic guy out there, and it looks like a ton of fun. Um, from the bearded ladies to Zendaya on the the, trapezi- the playing the trapezist. Yes, is that how you say it? Okay, awesome. So. Yeah, like who looks unrecognizable mm-hmm. in that In that get-up um, but it just looks fun and lighthearted. and the the write-up of it talks about how the music's gonna be more pop cult like you know of the it's 21st be more century. contemporary than yeah. 80s style and but also the colors and you know it looks like it's shot on some really great film so I am so excited to get my first look at it what did you think because I know you're not I mean I had this as like number my top five movies for the rest of the year I
0: think f- I want to say it was number
1: two for you. I think it is number two.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm not that high on it, but it's definitely one that I am very intrigued by because it has Jackman because it has Zach uh, Zac Efron and maybe in that dramatic role, but also going back to his high school musical days a little bit, mm-hmm. talking about more about high school musical. than I thought we would on this podcast uh, <laughs> with his singing ability. He can, he can sing, uh, even though he used a lot of auto tune in the high school musical movies. Uh, he's a talented guy we got michelle williams in there as well yes. who's coming hot off of manchester by the sea and yeah zendaya i want to see her in spider-man homecoming because i've really been exposed to her as an actress but she looks more like mary jane in this than she does in spider-man <laughs> oh yeah that's true uh, with a the red hair wig. so oh. it's like a it's like it's a pinkish red okay sure enough color yeah i wouldn't yeah, say it was maybe it's like uh a strawberry blonde. Okay, uh, that's maybe a good way to describe yes, it. Uh, definitely. Yeah, I think it looks it looks fun. It has the guys behind the sounds, uh, the music of La La Land mm-hmm. attached to do all the musical stuff for it. I just watched La La Land again over the weekend and it holds up so well. So I mean, it it seems like it has all the makings and a prime Oscar release date to be a really great film come the end of the year. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, two things really to wrap up real quick. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger confirmed to Screen Daily that he's going to be returning for Terminator Six uh, once James Cameron gets the rights back in 2019, which is said to be directed by Deadpool's Tim Miller.
1: Ooh, all right, okay. Bring it on.
0: I'm mean, i interested.
1: Whatever Cameron's got written up for this, I'm sure it's going to be way better than whatever the heck Genesis was. Yes. Especially with Tim Miller at the helm. So awesome. Yeah.
0: Ready for it. And quick thing, came out of cans this week. Uh, Blake Lively lined up her next uh, movie and she's going to be starring in the movie called Bruised, uh, which is about a mom who takes on MMA to support her children, basically, Uh, which to me, I'm a huge fan of Warrior directed by Gavin O'Connor starring Joel Edgerton and uh, Tom Hardy. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, just because it's it's relentless, but it has that family quality. And it, this is looks like a female version of Warrior, but that sounds perfect to me. Yeah. Plus, Blake Lively, I really liked what she did in Shallows. I was kind of that action lead, so to see her be an MMA star and not have like Ronda Rousey Sh- star sure. in this sounds perfect. Yeah.
1: And then plus, it's directed by the Notebook guy, yeah, um, Nick Cavasets. So it's like uh, this could be a really big departure and a fun movie. Uh, so. I'm looking forward to it too.
0: Yes. So uh, that's all the news we got this week. Uh what are we gonna be doing reviewing next week? Well,
1: we're gonna take a dive back into the Caribbean with Dead Men Tell No Tales, mm-hmm. uh, the fifth movie of the parts of the Caribbean franchise. And there's some movies that I enjoyed as a kid. Um, over time though i have become disinterested in it. But Seeing the work that they've put into this makes me think this could be a, a delightful return to this, the open seas, mm-hmm. seven seas.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, this is why, if you've listened to the podcast throughout the last year or so, you know I'm not necessarily very interested in this. Uh, only recently, the last couple of months, watched the movies for the first time and didn't leave that big of an impression on me, but... I don't know. We'll see this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm I mean, not. I'm not excited for Johnny it. Johnny
1: Depp is interesting. He's very. He's a polarizing person in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, but he always get. Usually gets me into the theater. Uh, but if he's a train wreck as much as people have said he was on set, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Jack Sparrow comes out of this movie.
0: Yeah, I just don't want to retread of the first movie, but with new characters. That's what I feel like we're gonna get. So, I I don't know. We have ghost sharks. That's the one new thing I yes, know. You know. And maybe Javier Bardem can save it. So Hopefully. We'll see. Uh, but that's all the news we got. That's what we'll be next week. During time, we'll be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we covered by treating us at Friends and Film, where you'll receive updates on podcast, movie news, and more. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Coops underscore Hoops.
1: And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan.
0: And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet. And more, because it helps uh, other people find us, helps people listen to the podcast, which we enjoy, obviously. That's why we're doing this. Uh, plus, if you want to be especially kind to the show, head over to iTunes, give us a five-star review with comments telling us you know what, what you love about the show, why you keep listening, but also maybe give us some constructive criticism uh, about what we could do to improve and keep you listening for the long haul because that's obviously what we want. Uh, so go do that. Help us out this week. Uh, and as you wait for our Pirates Five review, uh, we'll have two episodes out that following week, as well as have a one woman preview. So be on the lookout for that as well. But that's all we got, Josh. Thanks for stopping by, everyone. And thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Be sure to tune next week for our review of Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales.